Monday. It's September 25th, and we forgot to pre-record an intro. I'm No Illusions, eventually there'll be Heath Enright, and eventually there'll be Eli Bosnick too. And on this week's episode, we'll try to pass off unused scathing atheist headlines as Skeptocrat headlines. Heath will literally name the show the headline is in at one point of all fucking things, and I'll cleverly edit it in such a naturalistic way that you probably wouldn't have noticed if I hadn't said anything. But first, the diatribe. That's right, the diatribe. Over the past several decades, we've developed a couple of cultural defense mechanisms against politicians. Right, we've learned to expect the worst scandals out of the best of them. We've learned at least selectively to limit their terms in office. And most of all, we've learned to never believe a goddamn word they say. And generally speaking, that's worked out well for us. But our cynicism can be weaponized. See, this tendency arose from bad politicians saying good shit. So when, like, Bush Jr. claimed to be a compassionate conservative, when Trump vowed to drain the swamp, when Clinton swears that he did not have sexual relations with that woman, we're not caught off guard when we learn the exact opposite is true. And as a heuristic, that politician is lying because his lips are moving works pretty well, even when you're specifically instructed to read them. But we need to be careful that we only apply it when the politicians are saying good shit. Right? So, so at this point, it's all but axiomatic. You hear a politician is taking stance X, and your immediate thought is, what political headwinds are they reading? You assume that the position is far more informed by public polling than personal conviction. But as the positions our politicians take get worse and worse, this presumption of opportunism can provide a perverse sort of cover for them. Just look at Ron DeSantis and the damn orchestra of bigoted dog whistles that he's adopted as the theme song for his campaign. He's instituted a good people on both sides approach to teaching about slavery. He's threatened a policy of interstate trans child kidnapping. He's barred abortion from eight minutes after you swipe right. And of course, his whole claim to fame in the first place was the don't say gay bill. And yet, many pundits and a lot of liberals that I talk to seem to operate under the assumption that these positions should be treated with the same sort of cynical dismissal as W's promise to be a good steward of the environment. There's way too much talk about whether he's copying from Glenn Youngkin's playbook or positioning himself to the right of Donald Trump, and not enough talk about whether he's just a sexist, homophobic, transphobic racist. Right, like with DeSantis in particular, he's obviously ridden the bigotry wave farther than the conventional wisdom would tell him to. He's losing right-wing donors because they fear he's gone too far in that direction. Right? Not that they have anything against bigotry, of course. We're talking about right-wing donors, but they find that his bigotry has gone beyond the optimal level to motivate right-wing voters. They've run the same prejudice calculus every Republican hopeful ran in the wake of Trump's casual racism and determined the optimal amount of open bigotry for a Republican candidate is way above zero. But still, they feel that DeSantis is overshot it. And yet, in literally every single news article I've seen about that donor revolt, the animating question seems to be whether and how he aired in his political prognostications, not his ethical standards. 
This is not a problem unique to Ron DeSantis. Politicians who espoused firm religious convictions have often been dismissed because the family values politician always seems to be the one getting caught paying the babysitter to piss on their dinner or whatever. But it's been a long damn time since religion has served as a political shorthand for traditional wholesome morals, right? These days it's shorthand for anti-woman, anti-LGBTQ leech who wants to scrap democracy to whatever extent it interferes with Christian privilege. And when someone claims that, it behooves us to believe them. So the next time a politician comes out in favor of mandatory school prayer or against gay rights or in opposition to vaccine requirements, don't get taken in by the talking heads who ask what fucking lane they're trying to position their campaign in. Assume their vile beliefs are genuine until proven otherwise. Because once holding the position is worse than pretending to hold it, you're no longer the one benefiting from your doubt. Joining me for headlines tonight are fellow skeptic rats, nobody. Heath's on vacation this week, and Eli's representing Puzzle in a Thunderstorm over at QED in Manchester, England. But we do still have plenty of show for you, starting with a word from this week's first sponsor, Trust and Will. Hi, I'm No Illusions. I'm Heath Enright. And I'm Eli Bosnick. Hey, what are you guys doing here? Heath, you're on vacation, and Eli, you're at QED. I know, Noah, but with this week's first sponsor being Trust and Will, what better time to show that there's nothing more important than your wishes being respected when you're not around? Yeah, just like you're going to do with the podcasts when you, uh, you know. Okay, first off, Eli is definitely going to first. And secondly, Fair. what's Trust and Will? Traditional estate planning can cost thousands of dollars, and one-size-fits-all templates may not capture all the important details of the life you've built. With Trust and Will, you can protect your legacy from the comfort of your home, starting at just $159. Well, that sounds great, but how does it work? From maintaining control of your assets to easing the burden on your loved ones, an estate plan can ensure your family stays prepared and protected. Trust and Will has simplified the process of creating and managing your will or trust online from finding out what's right for your family to finalizing documents with a notary. Each will or trust is crafted to be state-specific and customized to your specific needs. For example, care wishes, nominating guardians, final arrangements, and power of attorney. Help loved ones avoid lengthy and expensive legal proceedings or having the state decide what happens to your assets. It's true. When Trust and Will became a sponsor, I used it to set up the Trust and Will for Anna and I. It was so easy, I immediately used it to take care of my mom as well. Seriously. Gain peace of mind today with Trust and Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash skeptocrat. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash skeptocrat. Thanks, guys. I guess that does set my mind at ease. Right. Just like leaving us your podcasts. Eli, I asked you to cover the ads for the pajama party and you improvised a 15-minute ad where you forgot to give the sponsor code. So maybe not totally comfortable. Not totally, no. Had a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and now, back to the headlines in a slightly different audio signature. In our lead story tonight, Republicans did an objectively, genuinely good thing once in 2004, and now they're trying to correct that oversight. Uh, there it is. Now, if you've read... Outbreak, a crisis of faith, you know about PEPFAR or the president's emergency plan for AIDS relief. Admittedly, there are other ways to know about it, but they are inferior. Anyway, for those of you who didn't buy our book and thus intentionally deprived Eli's 
Baby of Food and Shelter. PEPFAR Mm -hmm. is a massive program that provides medicine and financial aid to people in Africa ravaged by the AIDS epidemic. It's the largest commitment by any nation to combat any disease in all of the history of humankind. And it saved an estimated 25 million lives. But now Republicans want to reduce or even eliminate the program because, you know, abortion or some shit. When you spend all this money on woke bullshit like fighting the AIDS epidemic, that's how you lose an F-35. That's the problem with the military right now. (laughs) How often do you think the people in PEPFAR have had to explain to U.S. politicians that AIDS isn't a problem in Africa because of homosexuality? I'm guessing they have like a two-day training based on that conversation alone. I I honestly, like, in in reality, I think it exists and is longer. (laughs) Now, I should be super clear on this. PEPFAR does not fund abortions. Okay, it should. It probably should, but U.S. law forbids federal dollars for going for that. So, like, not a single penny of PEPFAR funds have ever gone directly or indirectly to pay for abortions. But reality's never played a huge role in Republicans' attitudes vis-a-vis abortion anyway, so that fact hasn't stopped GOP Congressman Chris Smith from blocking reauthorization of the bill unless it barred money from going to any organization that provided or even promoted abortion services, regardless of what that money was going to be used for. Right? Again, the funds themselves can't be used for abortion, but Smith would block them from going to, say, an African health clinic that provides AIDS medicine and abortion, or even and refers people with unwanted pregnancies to an abortion clinic that is separate. All right, we're going to run a test. What rhymes with schmashmorshman really fast? Too fast. Looked like you were about to answer. You get more AIDS now yep. because yeah. of this test. Yep. Now, it's probably worth noting, by the way, that Smith got his marching orders here from the Heritage Foundation, a group that fails to be designated a hate group to the exact extent their lawyers can keep them off the lists. Oh, uh, this just in their hate group on the what is this? The Heath list of hate groups. That's oh, oh, we found okay. it. We found it. Everyone. We're getting sued. Please earlier sue me. try to sue me. Year. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fucking assholes. Earlier this year, they released a statement accusing Biden of using PEPFAR to, quote, promote his radical social agenda overseas, end quote. A statement rendered false, if for no reason, but his depressing lack of a radical social agenda. But in the same statement, they referred to AIDS as, quote, a lifestyle disease, end quote, Eli, to your point. They claimed that the epidemic could be suppressed through, quote, education, moral suasion, and legal sanctions, end quote. Just say persuasion. Everybody knows the word persuasion. (laughs) Persuasion means the same thing, assholes. And they recommended that the program be halved, the dollar amount. So it it seems like the issue they're taking is less with theoretical tangential abortion money and more with the very fact that 25 million Africans didn't die. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the appropriate amount of African people to die of AIDS during that stretch was 12.5 million people, according to their official policy platform. Yep. Exactly. That's the Goldilocks zone of killing people that they're good with. Exactly. Yeah. You you know how some Christians believe that, like, if you say, I deny the Holy Spirit, it's some kind of dumbass magic spell where you're definitely going to go to hell now, no backsies. AIDS is a lifestyle disease is like that, but real. It's like a real (laughs) version. Those are the magic words. No coming back from that level of assholery. Seems like the hetero lifestyle is the big problem here, right? Yeah. 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 Yep. Now, I should also emphasize here that this program was started by the notorious lefty George W. Bush. 
Right. It's one of like six things in all of history that the American government did that was an actual objective good in the world. And I know I'm prone to grandiose phrasing here and there, but it would be no exaggeration to classify the defunding of this program as genocide. And if for no other reason than to spare my colleagues from having to transition straight out of genocide in the comedy show, I should also point out that the Catholics have been going after this program since its inception for promoting contraception. So as homicidally trivial as it might be to defund this over theoretical tangential abortion referrals, that's still a spot further down the homicidal trivial spectrum than we already were, I guess. (sighs) Next up in headlines, in a slightly different audio signature. You know, listeners, when we first started planning ahead for this episode, knowing good and well that at least two-thirds of us would be out of town for it, we figured it would be fine. We'd just pluck the most secular headlines out of scathing for a few weeks, pre-record a couple of ads, maybe tack in a diatribe or something, cobble it all together, call it a day. Everybody gets their show, we get our time off, the advertisers get their time slots, everybody's happy. But what we didn't know at the time was that Lauren Boebert was going to get kicked out of a theater for giving her date an over-the-pants handy while vaping in a theater full of children. It's the kind of thing this show exists for, damn it. And yet, we were going to be scattered to the four winds in the first Skeptocrat episode after it happened. So to tell us more about that, we're excited to welcome in roving reporter Lucinda Lusions joining us by satellite. Lucinda, welcome back. Thanks, Noah. It's been too long. But if ever there was a new story worth resurrecting this bit for, this is the story. Amen to that. Uh, So what can you tell us about this one? Yeah. So on Sunday, the 10th, pretty much as we were editing the last episode of this show, police were summoned to the Buell Theater in downtown Denver to help remove an unruly patron. That patron, who was later identified as Republican Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, by herself as a follow-up to literally asking, do you know who I am, had been vaping, talking loudly, singing along, photographing, and videoing the performance against the venue's explicit rules, and, of course, clumsily pawing at her date's crotch like she was waiting for her mom to pick her up after the homecoming dance. All right. So it was like watching Binky try to dig upward through the glass top of the coffee table. Yeah, sure was. Um, So what can you tell us? And to be fair, the date wasn't doing much better. Did you see that boob squeeze of his? It looked like he was trying to make it honk. You couldn't grab a breast more sexlessly unless you were actively nursing from it. Okay, you know, no, that that is fair. But enough about their public fondling technique. Uh, what can you tell us about the aftermath? Yes. Yeah, so at least three different theater goers complained to the management about their behavior, including the pregnant woman immediately behind her, whose face was getting the brunt of her vape smoke. They were warned during the intermission to calm the fuck down. Three minutes later, when it became clear that they were doubling down, they were asked to leave. Then they refused. Then they were told to leave. Then they still refused. Then the police were called. Okay. Now, this is not the first time the police have been called about a disturbance with Lauren Boebert at its heart, is it? The Colorado State Police have a three-digit code that just means Lauren Boebert being an embarrassing asshole. I'm, I'm not surprised. There's also one for Lauren Boebert being an embarrassing asshole with a gun. So this is actually the lesser of the two. Okay. Yeah, right. So w- what are the next steps in your investigation? I'm going undercover, Noah. As? An entitled, horny theater Karen. Okay. Uh, why? Well, you know how Republicans are eager 
to embrace whatever stupid thing their politicians said or did and desperately try to normalize it? Oh, dear. <laughs> That's right, Noah. I'm going to the new all-hand job matinee in D.C., sponsored by the Conservative Political Action Committee, or CPAC. The word is that they're hard at work figuring out a way to rearrange that acronym to become PSAC in keeping with the new theme. Mm. I see, but won't you need someone to jerk off? Oh, no problem, Noah. I met an unhoused gentleman outside the theater who took remarkable little convincing to join in in my subterfuge. Mm. Okay. Uh, you know, that's actually a lot like what Tim Ballard actually did. Yeah, but except my guy knows what he's getting into. No, yeah, there's that. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm afraid it might work against our larger goals. How so? Well, there's no way you're going to convince this guy. There's no God at this point. Eh, small price to pay. Well, thanks, Lucinda, and good luck. Thanks, Noah. And now a word from this week's other sponsor, Policy Genius. All right, let's see. Sweden air crash rate. Mm, pretty good. Pretty hey, good. hey, what? What, what you doing? Oh, hey, Noah. I was just looking up the safety ratings of these flights that I'm taking this week. Really? I didn't know you were afraid to fly. Oh, I'm not afraid to fly, but I do have Policy Genius. Oh, what's Policy Genius? Heath, what are you doing here? Looking up the safety info for Eli's flights for um for a different reason. Got it. Sure. Policy Genius knows how valuable your time is. That's why their technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $25 a month for $1 million of coverage. And some options offer coverage in as little as a week and avoid unnecessary medical exams. I don't know, Eli. Isn't all that paperwork kind of daunting? Not at all. Policy Genius has licensed award-winning agents who can help you find your best fit for your needs. They work with you, not the insurance companies. That means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Policy Genius is for parents, caregivers, and anyone else who has people who depend on them. They simplify the process of getting life insurance so you can protect the people you love. No wonder they have thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot. All right, Eli, I'm sold. Where do I sign up? Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net. You deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Nice. Uh, so so do Heath and I get anything if, um, you know, if something happens? Oh, yeah, yeah, you guys definitely do. I mean, yeah, we get a 50% raise approximately. Yeah, no. You knew that number too fast. What we do. And in American History X News, we have some news about Elon Musk and neo-Nazis. Redundant. So Elon is currently in a feud with the Anti-Defamation League after they presented evidence that anti-Semitic hate speech has drastically proliferated on Twitter ever since Elon took over. I'm not calling it X. I'm calling it Twitter. It's fucking Twitter. Deal with it. <laughs> and in response, he's threatening to sue the Anti-Defamation League for defamation. I'm going to say that again. The, the <laughs> right. Anti-Defamation yes. yes. League, they're getting sued for the dedicated thing they have a league to prevent. He thinks <laughs> he thinks their free speech is a little too free, I guess. Yeah, right, he's also a right. champion of free speech. Mm -hmm. That's what I that's hear. that's important to him. And that's why he's refusing to do more about preventing hate speech on his platform. It's crazy. He's like an M.C. Escher drawing of ethics. It makes no sense. <laughs> Yes, yes. In a feud with the Anti-Defamation League, that's a big pit to climb out of to begin with. And instead of climbing, he's digging. Yeah, one might say boring even. Oh, touche. 
With all the hate speech controversy flying around, Elon Musk got a call from a prominent moral philosopher named Benjamin Netanyahu to discuss this matter. So they set up a meeting, which happened on Monday at a Tesla factory in California. And he said something along the lines of, uh, yeah, so I preside over some heavy religious apartheid and you, Elon Musk, need to be more sensitive about religious bigotry. That's important. You're making me and people like us look ridiculous. When Netanyahu called for a specific condemnation of anti-Semitism by Musk, Musk responded by saying he's trying to be neutral, which, you know, historically great response to that to <laughs> call for condemning anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm, Musk mm-hmm. said, quote, generally, I'm sort of against attacking any group, end quote. In a discussion about neo-Nazis and Jews, great, yeah. <laughs> Good people on both sides in the Holocaust there. Yikes. That's where we are. Now, from the world's richest and arguably most powerful human being. That's nice. That's yeah, good. It's like if <sighs> Hitler had still been in power, but somehow we all had to watch him lose his first round of Fall Guys on Twitch every night. Like, that's <laughs> the world right <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. So Netanyahu, to his credit, he pushed back and he explained how it's super easy to be in favor of free speech and also do some free speeching to condemn anti-Semitism. Sure. And that's when Elon Musk explained how we're never going to live on other planets if everyone keeps being a big stickler about hate crimes. That's He seriously tried to pivot to that. According to Musk, quote, I'm in favor of that which ultimately leads us to become a spacefaring civilization. Oh, my God. Where we understand the nature of the universe. He's responding to just say it's bad to be anti-Semitic. And he said this <laughs> as his response. Mm-hmm. He continued, and we can't do that if there's a lot of infighting and, you know, hatred and negativity, end quote. Mm, it's all about spacefaring, I see. <laughs> right. uh, what if we compromise and launch your ass into the sun? Is that, Ooh, does like that, that satisfy the requirements? <laughs> Imagine sucking so much that you make space exploration seem like a shitty thing to care about. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just like, I'm not a big fan of rockets these days. There's a bunch of assholes behind rockets. I feel like rockets need to clean their reputation before I can support them again. (laughs) Yeah. So bottom line, if Benjamin Netanyahu and the skeptocrat are telling you to pump the brakes on criticizing a religion because you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong. You've lost your way. (laughs) And in Project Mendacium News... The founder and former president of the Christian right activist group Project Veritas, James O'Keefe, is a giant liar. Huh. More, again, on top of... I was going to say. Yeah, we already (laughs) knew that after he got caught in a bunch of different obvious lies, actually, including that time he made a doctored video that claimed to be showing, like, godless liberal doctors trying to purchase black market corpses of aborted fetuses with bags of Bitcoin or something ridiculous like that. (laughs) Turns out they were not doing all that. But Mm -mm. this week, we got a brand new giant lie. According to a recent audit of Project Veritas, he spent hundreds of thousands of dollars of funds that were donated to that nonprofit group on absurd personal expenses like helicopters, limo rides, and (laughs) you can't make this up. DJ equipment. 
amazing. I just, I, I'm <laughs> sh- the guy who unabashedly pissed away a 501c3's money hiring backup dancers and film crews for his music videos was hiding <laughs> shit. Yeah. God, jeez, I would not want to open that fucking arc. <laughs> yeah, so James O'Keefe resigned as president of Project Veritas earlier this year. And considering his job was being a giant liar like they knew that, the board hired a law firm to look into his recent expenditures. And here's what they found. I'll start with a sailing trip in Maine from last year that O'Keefe took. Instead of taking a flight for about $200, he had the organization book him a $12,000 helicopter flight from New York City straight to (laughs) Southwest Harbor, Maine. To Maine? To Maine. Jesus Yeah. When the helicopter hit some bad weather on the way, they had to land in Portland, Maine, and that's when O'Keefe booked a $1,400 limousine service to drive him three more hours directly to the sailboat. <laughs> According to O'Keefe, that was all legitimate business expenses because he had a totally necessary business meeting of business right near the dock with a low-level donor. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So a helicopter to a limo to a sailboat. Was he trying to get to fucking Barbie land? Yeah. Or maybe he was trying to get someone to eat green eggs and ham. It seems like maybe <laughs> maybe that what was going on. <laughs> so after the auditors found that trip to Maine, they decided we're going to keep looking a bit more because that was ridiculous. They also found that he spent over $200,000 on luxury black car rides over the last two years and $600 on Bottled water during a single hotel stay. That means he drank three of those, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. And and my favorite part, the DJ equipment. Apparently, O'Keefe is pretty sure he's a really great DJ. And he got super mad at the staff when they were not able to get him booked at Coachella. But he did have the group buy him about $2,500 worth of DJ stuff. Long story short, I guess what we're saying is that maybe one no illusions should be a little more generous when I have billboard ideas. Oh, it could always be worse. Be careful. Or I'm going to borrow their auditors. Don't. <laughs> so, Don't. Here's the best part. This is a bad guy fight and everyone is losing that fight. O'Keefe is in big trouble. And so is Project Veritas. The group spent the last decade trying to be spies as best they could, but they kept failing so very badly. That includes a ridiculous operation in which they very clearly stole the diary of Joe Biden's daughter, Ashley, somehow. They claimed it was all legitimate journalism and they just ended up with it. But that incident got investigated by the FBI and Project Veritas never ran a story about it because they were scared. They also tried to infiltrate the nonprofit run by George Soros, but then their whole plan got botched when O'Keefe left a voicemail with one of his targets that explained the whole scheme. Yep. Well, thanks to all that failure, the donations are all dried up now for Project Veritas, and they had to lay off more than half their staff last month. And according to leaked audio from their latest board meeting, they're just about to go bankrupt. So, fun times. But if they can put on the best damn production of Oklahoma <laughs> that this nonprofit has ever seen, they might just save this thing. Uh, starring David A.R. White as James O'Keefe. They gotta make this thing, make the movie, oh, do 
The whole thing. If you think I wouldn't pay $20,000 a ticket to watch James O'Keefe and his <laughs> band of demons being like, Oklahoma is the win. God damn, I just wanted to hate gay people and women. Uh, maybe a techno version where he's DJing. Doing where he's DJing the whole time. Oh, come on. I can only come so much, he then <laughs> Techno Oklahoma, let's make it happen. Nice. I will fund that a lot. Okay, one other beautiful detail. When O'Keefe left Project Veritas, he went out on his own and started a for-profit rival organization that sells a $500 subscription service that gets you access to his expert lectures about being a spy journalist, I guess. And apparently his amazing sting operations are not going great in the new rival organization. He recently filmed a video to promote an upcoming expose that he's doing. And it shows O'Keefe going undercover as a big Wall Street tycoon. In the video, he pulls up in a Lamborghini and starts revving the engine, but he revved it way too high and the Lamborghini caught on fire. It caught on fire. It's what? fucking amazing. It's <laughs> incredible. Because he clearly borrowed it from some asshole rich guy that he knows and got in huge trouble. He, yep. he fails at everything. It's the best. But all that being said, James, I know you're listening. We are looking to hire a DJ and we'll get you <laughs> a really nice boombox. We'll get you Spotify premium. Oh, so there you race go. car bed. You know, we got a yep. race car bed for you. We're working on <laughs> Oklahoma, the techno version. Come on, man. Yeah. We could do Fiddler together, James. <laughs> James, we can do Fiddler. And on that note, we're going to close it out in a slightly different audio signature. Thanks to Heath Enright, thanks to Eli Bosdick, and thanks to all the listeners who liked us and followed us on all the various internets. Please keep doing that. Please keep listening, and please keep telling your friends. And if you find the naive stupidity of our giving away a free show business model to be oddly charming, you can send us gifts of money at patreon.com slash skeptocrat, just like all the finely genital people that Heath is going to thank by name on the next episode. And whether or not you're feeling financially benevolent like those fine people, if you enjoyed our brand of whimsy and you'd like to hear more dick jokes free of charge, check out our brother and sister shows, The Scathing Atheist, Got off on movies DD minus and citation needed available wherever podcasts live. We just have one last thing. Let's compliment that penis. Special thanks to Ryan Zlotnick of Evil Giraffes on Mars. He's the creator of the virtuosic musical stylings you heard today, which were used with permission. You should definitely check him out using the links we'll provide or by Googling the only band called Evil Giraffes on Mars. Until next time, catchphrase sign off. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.